Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Genesis chapter number three. Uh, Sunday night this past week, if you were here, uh, I introduced a thought. And I, I introduced the thought that I want to try to turn into a study. And I'm not sure uh, exactly how many weeks it'll go, but we're going to carry we're going to carry it for a bit, and um, and and we're going to talk a little bit about this. Now, get this thought: we're going to talk about uh, some of the things that try to handle us in life. Have you ever tried? You notice there's there's some things that try to handle you, right? You know what I mean by that? Uh, try to try to control you. There's some things in life that just you know uh, try to turn you. And uh, what we talked about on uh, Sunday evening in way of introduction, we're talking about, you know, uh, our, our, our emotional state, our emotional base, you know, uh, our feelings. Everybody's got them, right? You know, and, and every once in a while they get hurt, don't they? Did you ever get your feelings hurt? No? Stick around a little longer. <laughs> we'll be sure to hurt your feelings. Uh, and so... Uh, and, and, and feelings come under the category, right, of, of emotions. And we said this uh, Sunday night that um, our, our emotions are a part of our fabric. God created us this way. When he created us, he created us with emotions. In fact, we read right here in the book of Genesis how the Bible says when, you know, God formed man from the dust of the earth, he breathed into his, of course, his nostrils, breath of life, and man became what? A living soul. And we briefly discussed on Wednesday night, Sunday night, if you remember, uh, the makeup, the composition of a soul. So what is the soul of man? We, we came, we found out this, we found out that man is comprised of three separate components, right? He has a spirit, he has a soul, and he has a body. So the spirit, we said this, the spirit is that part of us, that component that communicates with God, right? God is spirit. And they that worship him must do it in what? Spirit and truth, right? And so, uh, so, so our spirit is that component that allows us to communicate with God. Now, you can't use that until you're born again. That, that's not alive until you're born again. So when you get born again, what, get born, what gets born again is your spirit, right? You know what the body is. We see that, you know, it's this flesh, <laughs> you know? And by the way, don't downplay it. It's all you have to serve God with. And that's why I pray all the time, Lord, help me to do the best I can to keep this tabernacle as healthy as could be because I want to use it for your glory, you know? And, and so we know what the spirit, our spirit, our, our body, but that soul. We talked a little bit about that on, on, on Sunday night, right? 
And we, we ask this question, so what is, what is the soul? You know, and great responses came back, and here's what we determine. The soul of man is made up of three separate components. There is mind, will, and emotion, right? The ability to think and reason, the ability to make decisions and choices, and then the ability to feel, have emotions. And, and our emotions, man, you know this, they go from high to low, right? You've had highs and you had some lows, correct? And, and it goes sometimes from fear to courage or courage to fear, you know? And that's just the way sometimes our, emotion, our, our, emotion, our emotions range. Uh, and we had, we had said this um, the other evening that if we're not careful, our emotions can handle us and control us and make us rather unstable, you know? And, and so I want to I take a look here in the book of Genesis to begin with, this first book in the Bible. And what you find in the book of Genesis is this. There's a principle. It's called the law of first mention. Did you ever hear that before? The law of first mention? It simply states this, that uh, the book of Genesis, you'll find sometimes uh, the very first mention of certain things. And in Genesis chapter number 3, what you'll find is the very first mention of an emotion. Now, let's assume, you want to assume for a second? Let's assume that prior to Genesis chapter number 3, we find in chapter number 2, Adam is introduced to Eve, right? And he said this of her, she is now, you know, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. I mean to tell you, you know, and he probably fell in love with her. And so I'm sure the very first emotion exercised was love. But the very first emotion mentioned is fear. Look in Genesis chapter number 3 with me, if you would. And in verse number 9, it says, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Adam responds. Look at his response. He said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was what? I was afraid. I was afraid. I was afraid. I heard your voice, but I was afraid. You know? And, and, and look what he says here. Why were you afraid, Adam? Why were you afraid? Because I was naked and I hid myself. And so the very first mention uh, of emotion in the Bible, I think, is, is fear. And this fear, now pay attention right here. This fear, when he says, I was afraid, this fear is a result of sin. Isn't it? Huh. Why was he afraid? Well, he was afraid because he was naked. Why were you naked? <laughs> because you did what you were not supposed to do. You crossed the line. Are you with me? And this is a sidebar. I promise you I didn't write this down. I just, it just hit my head. You know, sin will always produce an unhealthy fear in your life. It will. Guaranteed, it will. 
And as a result, what you find here is this. As a result of this sin, it causes Adam and Eve. Now pay attention to this statement. This sin causes Adam and Eve to hide from God. Did you see that? Huh? They're hiding from God. And I, so I would say this. I would say, based upon what I just read and understand, that fear was handling them. Do you get it? Yeah. Right? They didn't have control over it. It was handling them. You know, they sinned. Now, now the emotion of fear is overwhelming them, and it causes them to hide from God. They're being handled by this fear, by this emotion. Now, hold on to that thought. Can you do that? I don't trust you. Go like, go like this. Just grab, grab it. Hold on to that thought. Hold on to that. We're going to come back to that in a second. Think about this. Proverbs chapter number one. Are you guys with me? Yeah. I don't have the remote, so just try to stay with me as best you can because I can't do everything at one shot. Good. Proverbs 1, verse 7. Look at it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Right? Now, wait a second. Adam says, uh, in response, where art thou? He said, I'm hiding. Why are you hiding? Because I'm afraid. The emotion of fear. But that was a result of sin. And apparently it, didn't, it, it, it wasn't good because now he's hiding from God. But the wise man Solomon speaks about a different kind of fear. He says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Listen to what the psalmist said, Psalm 34. Go ahead and flip that. Psalm 34, verse 9, he said this, O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. <laughs> you see that? Now, there seems to be, in my opinion, a contrast between those two scenarios, right? Think about it. In Genesis chapter number 3, fear, pay attention here, fear causes man to hide from God. In Psalm 34, 9, fear causes man to draw close to God. You didn't get that. I see a couple of people going. In one place, fear is kind of, you know, causing Adam, Eve to, you know, do the best they can to withdraw. And the psalmist says, on the other hand, it's, it's fear that will bring you close. How about that? Hmm. Here's what we're told. We're told that fear in the Bible can be healthy or it can be unhealthy. It all depends on how you, you know, you deal with it. I want to take a closer look at it tonight, dig in just a little bit. Uh, this emotion called fear, you can go ahead and get that off the screen if you want. Uh, you, you, you remember President Ro Ro Roosevelt? In an attempt, <laughs> we weren't alive. Some of you are. In an attempt to calm the waters of the United States during a most difficult time, right? Here's what he said. What a great quote. He said to the nation, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And nobody meant by that, right? Huh? I mean, you're fearing, you know, depression and you're fearing, uh, you're fearing all these things. There's really nothing to fear but fear itself. Mm. However, from Adam to this present day, humans have been imprisoned by fear. Isn't that right? 
So let's do this. Let's, let's just take a look at the nature of fear for, for a few minutes and see if we can't get a hold of a, of a few things. And I want to finish up our, our talk with a, an example that I hope blesses your heart tonight from the Bible. Okay? Uh, we said this a moment ago, but I want, to, I want to bring it up again. When God created us, He created us with the ability to feel. He, he, he weaved that into our ecosystem, you know, into our fabric, right? We have the ability, you know, to feel emote, emotion. And, 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 and listen, instead of these emotions guiding man, periodically they imprison man, right? Uh, God put fear in Adam to guide him not to imprison him. Does that make sense? Uh, but now Adam, Adam's afraid to face God. And, uh, and, and that's not what God intended when he gave man the ability to fear. That's not what he intended at all. So, so maybe, uh, maybe Roosevelt knew what unnatural fear could do. You know, it's, it's one thing to be startled. Do you ever get startled? <laughs> you know, I, I know people that like to startle other people, you know. Um, it's one thing to get startled but it's another thing to be immobilized. Okay. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Hmm? Uh, I, think maybe, I think maybe Roosevelt knew that uh, fear can paralyze a person. And it can. And I think man's developed a weakness to fear. You know what it's called sometimes? Phobia. You know, you know where we get the word phobia from? We get the word phobia from the word phobias, which is a biblical word, you know? Where do they come from? Well, let's, let's do this. Let's try to identify just a few of these fears. Are you aware that some fears are a result of our past experiences? Some of the things we deal with today, some of the things that I'm talking about crippled fear, you know, immobilizing fear, paralyzing fear, for some folks, it's, a, it's just a a memory of the past, something happened in their past. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it was a hurt or a disappointment. We've all had those, right? You know, um, maybe a break in trust, an abusive relationship. So guess what happens? Because that occurred in our lives, it has the tendency to, you know, just to cling to us. So that now we just carry that with us, you know? I remember, I remember having this feeling for a long time, you know, saved and serving God and Don and I married, having, start having children start getting older. Now we're pastoring a church. Church starts to grow. All, for, all, all first generation Christians in our church, you know what that means? That means this, they were all newly saved, struggling with all the new Christian things, right? And so gossip and cynicism and critical spirit and ups and downs. And I think I told you before, my first pastorate, first few years, I felt more like the pie plate spinner at the circus than I did a pastor. Because I just had to keep constantly getting people trying to do what they're supposed to do. It was wearing me thin. And it seemed, John, that every time I turned around, something else was coming my way. And I start, now pay attention right here. I started to live 
with an attitude or with a uh, predetermination that I was just waiting for the next bad thing to happen. So every time somebody would call my office, or uh, we didn't have texting back in those days, but every time someone would try to get a hold of me and say, Pastor, uh, can I meet with you? I never thought they were coming in with a check. I thought they were coming in with a bill. You know what I mean by that? I was always waiting for the next shoe to drop. Always waiting for the next, and I'll tell you something, pay attention right here. That is not a healthy way to live life. It just isn't. Past circumstances can produce immobilizing fear. You know? Uh, as a result, anxiety? Huh? You wouldn't believe the people in our ranks, and I don't know you that well yet, but I've pastored for a long time. You wouldn't believe the people in our ranks, and when I say our ranks, members of our churches that suffer with anxiety. I mean to tell you, there have been times, Brother Smith, when, when men who six foot four built like the rock of Gibraltar would say, preacher, yeah, can I talk to you for just a few minutes? And I'd say, sure, come on into the office. And within five minutes of that chat, they start, they're just melting in my, they're just melting in my presence. And tears are coming down their cheeks, and they're talking to me about this anxiety that keeps them up every night, and they, and they can't breathe at times. And, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, I'd have never thought that of. But you know, anxiety and depression and fear is no respecter of persons. Young, old, all in between, male, female, you know, rich or poor, Masculine, not so masculine, it makes no difference. It's real. And people deal with it all the time. And people deal with it in this environment. And you know what, you know what we do? Because we don't understand it, we do one of two things. <laughs> we either just give the old pat on the back, it's going to be okay. And I'll be honest with you, when you're suffering with that, that doesn't help. That doesn't help. Or because we don't understand it, we deny it. Huh? What are you so sad for? Get over it already. You're saved. That doesn't help anybody. Huh? And you've got to be aware of this, friends. You've got to be aware of it that today in the world in which we live, it's always been this way, but I think it's been, it's been escalated from COVID. People are, are, are running for their lives People are fearful of everything. And there are some folks that are just, you know, walking in the back doors of churches like this, looking for some hope, looking for some help. Amen. And we need to be able to handle that. We need to know how to help them, right? First, by getting help ourselves, <laughs> you know, right? I can't tell you, probably over the 35 years that I've been pastoring and counseling and all of that, more, more than 65% more than of all my counseling and all my sit-downs and all of the help I've had to give has been with people struggling with some kind of fear, a hurt, a breaking relationship, some kind of an abuse, a disappointment yeah. from a child, from a spouse, from a parent. Hello? Right? 
And these, these, now listen to this, these fears can be serious enough to present obstacles to spiritual growth. I know sometimes when I start talking like this, I feel like a therapist. <laughs> you know, that's why your mom used to say, Bobby Joe, I go to church on Wednesday night, it's like I'm going to a therapist. I said to Donna last night, we were sitting on the sofa, and I was watching something. I don't remember what I was watching on TV, and I said to Donna, I want a therapist. I need a therapist. <laughs> I want a therapist. Everybody's got a therapist, you know? But I can't tell you how many times I've been to my pastor and asked my pastor for counsel and for some help and some encouragement because of, of anxiety, some of the things we deal with in life, you know? And so I think this, I think some, some fears are a result of, of past experiences in life. And, and listen, I can really drag this on. We can go a couple of weeks with this one thought because that's real. And then some, some fears are just irrational. And they, th those kinds of fears we label as phobias, right? And the last I checked, there are hundreds of phobias, you know, right? I mean, there's fear of flying and fear of heights and fear of elevators and fear of fear, I don't know, fear of germs and fear of, you know, right? And, and listen, people literally, I mean, they're in bondage by this. Irrational, and yet they're overwhelmed by it. Amen. And here's the, here's the thing we need to understand. Spiritual maturity is linked to emotional maturity. And so if you're struggling emotionally, you're going to struggle spiritually because they're connected. Why are they connected? Because when God created us, did you ever sing that little song, the hip bones connected to the... Uh-uh, and the knee bones connected to the uh-uh, and the... That's the way God created us. Spirit, soul, and body. And you can't separate the three and be healthy in any realm. Right? Now, if I really wanted to get really deep into this, at this point, I would begin to speak to you about the way these three line up. I mentioned it on Sunday night, and I won't get much into it tonight because i got somewhere I want to go. But think about this. When the Bible speaks about the components of the human being, it's never body, soul, and spirit. It never is. It's always spirit, soul, and body. You know why that is? Because if our spirit is right with God, our spirit will control our soul. Our spirit will control our mind, our will, and our emotions. And if our spirit controls our mind, our will, and emotions, our soul will control our body, and we won't be so fleshly or so cardinal as Christians. Now, that's good preaching, and you're not even showing it. You know why most of us have most of the problems we have? Because it's body, soul, and spirit. Our body controls our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our body says, you're tired, stay in bed. You don't need to read or pray. Our body says, ah, a little more of that won't hurt. And what happens is we're just putting ourselves in a funk. Huh? But when you get it all aligned the way the Bible says we ought to have it aligned, spirit controlling the soul and the soul controlling the body, there's potential for spiritual maturity. Amen? Look, look here. Test yourself. 
What do you like? Apple pie, cherry cheesecake, banana split, ice cream, right? Let somebody put it in front of you and see if you can't just say, nope, I'm good. Mm. If you can't even say, no, I'm good at that, you're weaker than you think. When was the last time you fasted? When was the last time you said for the next two hours, three hours, six hours, 12 hours, 24 hours, 36 hours, I am not going to have, and you name it, Huh? And, and the reason is, I need to say no to this stinking flesh. Because this flesh has way too much control in my life. When was the last time you did that? Right? Huh? See, we got to begin to think this way. If we really want spiritual, and I'm not talking about it being, being a guru where, you know, you know you're so earthly, you're so heavenly minded, you know earthly good. You know, I'm not talking, Craig, about throwing away your fishing rods. If you do, call me. I'll pick them up on the way home. I'm not talking about that. See, we start to talk about spiritual maturity. The first thing you think about, what do I got to give up? That's, that's a poor way of looking at it. You're not giving up anything. You know, it's all an investment. And whatever you give to God, he gives it back to you a hundredfold with greater enjoyment. Amen? Amen. Huh? And, and so... You look at, at spiritual maturity being link, linked to emotional maturity, and here's what you realize. you got to learn how to get control of your emotions. They, they have to stop handling you, and you got to begin to handle them. And I know it sounds like I'm making it seem, seem easy, but it's not bad. It's not that bad. It's not that hard. You see, uh, all fear is not bad. In fact, Proverbs 1 and verse 7 says that, you know, the beginning of uh, fear is the beginning of knowledge. So God, you know, God creates us with that emotion for, for, for a reason, on purpose. And when, when, when healthy, fear is a great benefit to humans, isn't it? Think about this. Think about this. Uh, natural fears. Natural fears. We fear danger. We fear evil. Right? Uh, Mrs. Genizzi, every time she leaves the house... No matter where she's going, if she's going for a walk through the neighborhood or in the car to go to the market, every time, I don't think there's ever been a time when I didn't say, hey, be careful, right? Fear your surroundings. What does that mean? Be afraid to walk outside the door? Look here, look here. No, no, look here. God's not asking you to be afraid. He's asking you to be mindful, respectful. Look here. Respect danger. Respect evil. So what do you mean respect it? Understand its dangers. Huh? When you get around, when you get around certain things, certain people, certain places, you know, you ought to fear. Meaning what? Be afraid? No. No, I respect what that can do to me. Hello? See the difference? Fear of evil is the beginning of knowledge. Or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. He's not being afraid, but being respectful. And that's why he talks about, you know, fearing the Lord. Wouldn't it be terrible if you were afraid of the Lord? Huh? You know, growing up, I have to be honest with you, I wasn't the best kid. I wasn't the worst, but I wasn't the best. You already knew that, huh? You can just tell, right? You knew it. 
Uh, but I, I promise you this, I never hurt anybody, and I respected people. I was just goofy. I was a teenager, like every other teenager was back, you know, in those days. And there were times, Dave, when I was afraid of my dad. I mean, afraid of him. You know why? <laughs> because he, he proved to me what he can do to me when I mess up. <laughs> and it wasn't, it was painful, <laughs> you know? It didn't happen often, but when it did, man, right? I don't think the Lord wants us to be afraid of him. Because when I was afraid of my dad, you know, I couldn't get close to him. What happens when Adam is afraid of God? He hides from him. And so yeah, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. Not being afraid of, you, don't, you can't get close to somebody you're afraid of, Donald. Huh? I walk into a, Donna and I were in a place yesterday having lunch, and a couple of police officers walk in. I didn't say, oh, no. <laughs> no. I respect them. If I get a chance, I buy their meal. I, I buy, why? Because I respect that authority. I'm not afraid of it. But there's people who live in absolute fear of the law. Why? Because <laughs> they got something going on that's not right. Hello? Right? They look afraid. <laughs> right? See the difference? And so when, when you talk about fearing the Lord, Lord, we respect the authority of the Lord. We stand in awe of his might and of his power. Fear the Lord. We praise and worship his holy name. And that, now pay attention right here. Here's a pivot. And that will help us to develop the right perspective on fear. And that's what we have to develop, the right perspective on fear. Listen to this Bible verse. I think I might have it there. 2 Timothy 1, 7. Look at it. For God has not given us the spirit of, say a class, but instead of what? Power and love and of a sound mind. God's not given us a spirit of fear. No, instead, he's given us the power to love, and he's given us the power to have a sound mind. What is he saying there? If we can get a biblical perspective, it'll change everything. You've heard me say that about trials on Sunday morning. Biblical perspective. We have the power to overcome our fears. We do. But it's not, now pay attention right here, it's not a once for all kind of a thing. Let me give you, let me give you an example. Did you, ever, did you ever hear of the Old Testament fellow named Jacob? You've heard, you heard the story of Jacob, right? Tremendous story, isn't it? Uh, now, you know this, right? Donald, you know that Jacob has a flawed testimony. Correct? Right? right? I mean, early on, he was a nutcase. <laughs> Correct? He came out of his mother's womb, and you know what he did, right? He grabbed a hold of his brother's heel. I, I mean, he, he tried to deceive all the way through. And so, he's got a flawed testimony, and he comes from, you may not believe this, but I'll prove it to you, not tonight, but another time. He came from a dysfunctional family. They were dysfunctional. Now, of course, they didn't know they were dysfunctional, just like you probably didn't know you came from one. I didn't know I came from a dysfunctional family until 1990 when the word dysfunctional came out. And then I said, hey, they're talking about me. But he had a dysfunctional family. And you know what he did? If you read his story, uh, you find Jacob often on the run, right? He's often on the run. Uh, he's running from Saul, Esau, 
right? He, he, you know, he, he, he deceives his brother, he deceives his father. His mother, of course, is the one that puts the plan together, right? And so he's running from his brother Esau, and then, then he's running from Laban, right? You, you, you read the story? Ultimately, he's running from? He's running from God. Until God decides to pin him down. And in Genesis 28, don't turn there yet. In Genesis 28, here's what happened. Jacob falls asleep. And as he's sleeping, he has a dream, right? And in the dream, this, this ladder and, and angels descending and ascending, and, and God speaks to him in this dream. And you know what God says in the dream? You can read it for yourself in Genesis 28, I promise. It's there. God says this to him in the dream. He, he, he confirms the covenant he made with Abraham. He says to um, uh, Jacob in the dream, you know, as I promised to Abraham, which would have been his, what, grandfather, so will I fulfill that promise through you and your descendants. You remember that? Huh? And, and God makes these promises, I mean, verbally makes these promises in Genesis 28 to Jacob. Now, keep this in mind. Your faith has got to have a starting place. If you're going to overcome, get a handle of your emotions, you've got to have a, it doesn't happen all at once, right? You're not going to wake up tomorrow morning and say, that's it, fear, get out of my life, and I'm never going to have any more anxiety. It's not going to happen that way, but you've got to have a starting place. So, Jacob wakes up the next morning. You can read it for yourself in Genesis 28. He wakes up, you know what he does? He builds an altar unto the Lord, and he begins to worship God. Right? And he's rehearsing, he's rehearsing in his mind the promises that God had made to him. And now he's going to make somewhat of a commitment to God. And in Genesis 28, verse 20, look at what it says. Go ahead and flip it. Look at this. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. Did you see that? And I highlighted the two words, if and then. Yeah. Jacob wakes up, builds an altar, an altar begins to worship God, and unconditionally commits his life to God. No. He wasn't at that place yet. Are you listening real good? He wasn't at that place yet. Do we fault him for that? Not at all. Not at all. He just, he just wasn't there yet. So God says this to him. God says to him, uh, I'm going to bring you back to your homeland. You're not going to have to kill Esau. Everything's going to be okay. So you know what, pay attention right here. You know what Jacob does? He uses the little bit of faith, that starting faith. He uses that faith to follow God. And guess what God does? He brings him face to face with his greatest fear. Who was? Esau. Right? Face to face with his greatest fear, Esau. And I'm sure it doesn't, I don't know if you can read this uh, in the Hebrew. It is in Italian. He's shaking in his boots. No, it's not in the town. I just tease him. He's standing before Esau, his greatest fear, and he's shaking in his boots. And what's Esau do? Forgives him. And guess what happens to Jacob's faith? It grows. It grows. And now 
you know, it's growing and it's growing. And then one night he has another episode with the Lord and he's wrestling with the angel of the Lord. And guess what the angel of the Lord has to do? The angel of the Lord says to him, dude, you, you just, you are just too much. And he touches his hip, knocks his hip out of joint. And for the rest of his days, J Jacob walks with a limp, right? And he serves God even with a limp. I don't want to limp. I don't want to have to limp. I don't want God to have to take an eye, an arm, a child, my house, my spouse, in order to get my attention to trust him. Has he done it in the past? You read the stories. You've heard the testimonies. Does he have to? No. Why? Because he's gracious <laughs> and he's merciful. And he'll just, pay attention right here, he'll just take you where you're at and work with that. You want a New Testament equivalent? Peter, sitting by the fire, already blew it, right? Denied the Lord three times, right? Jesus shows up, sits right next to him, kind of nudges him. What's going on, man? Peter's sulking. You all right? He's sulking. Peter, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Couldn't feed my sheep. Yeah, he just puts his head down. Doesn't do anything for him. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. He's developing an attitude. He's all worked up. Couldn't feed my sheep. Peter doesn't budge. Just puts his head back down. Peter! Do you love me or what, man? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. You know what he's saying? You know what the Lord's saying? Here's what he's saying to him. You got to get back in the game. All right, you messed up. You had a lapse of faith. You messed up. But get back in the game. You want a real deep study? Ah, it's late. But look at the word that Jesus uses for love in talking to Peter. Steve, here's a good Bible study for you. The first time he says this to Peter, he said, Peter, do you, do, do you agape me? Do you love me like I love you? And Peter said, Lord, I phileo you. There's another word for love in the Bible. It's called phileo, which means I love you like a brother. Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? The second time, and Peter says, Lord, I told you I phileo you. You love me like I love you? I love you like a brother. I love you the best I can. You know, the third time, I promise you, it's in the Greek. The third time Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you phileo me? <laughs> and you know what Peter says? Uh-huh. And Jesus says, let's start right there. Let's start right where you are. You got to start someplace. You got to start someplace. Start right where you are. Amen? Let's pray. I hope I didn't overload you. I hope you can do something with what we just took in. Father, bless, I pray, the teaching of your word. And I pray you'll help us to handle some of these things that have a tendency of handling us. And sometimes it's labeled as fear. Maybe not a phobia, but maybe an anxiety. Maybe a hurt, a disappointment. Uh, maybe something that's happened long, long ago in our past. And every once in a while, something will trigger it. And it just brings us back under its control. 
Lord, we, not, we need not live like that. Unhealthy emotions will hinder and serve as an obstacle to spiritual growth. And so help us, I pray, to gain some real victory when it comes to our emotions. And I would pray you'll bless the Word of God tonight in our hearts so that it becomes a practical reality in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.